you guys so much. Well, we do welcome you again. Thank you for being here on the spring break uh, weekend. A lot of people are, are out about traveling, and many of you are watching us online, and we welcome you. Thank you for tuning us in, and also those in-house here. Uh, we have some special guests with us today. It's always fun to recognize uh, special guests. First of all, we have uh, little Malcolm is in the house. Hello, Malcolm. <laughs> yes. Jeff, uh, our worship pastor, and Lori have welcomed a new addition to their, to their family, four-year-old Malcolm, and so we're so excited uh, that he's here. And I told Jeff before we began today, we were praying together, and I said, you know, I feel like I already know Malcolm, and he said, that's what prayer does. When you pray for somebody that long, your heart kind of... Uh, gets close uh, to them. We also have the Hatleys. I know y'all are here, Rob and Josette. Okay, there they are, Rob and Josette Hatley. Let's welcome them. So glad they're here. So Rob, Josette, dear friends of ours, stay in the weekend uh, here with us. And so, uh, so delighted to see you guys. Love y'all. Understand Sam is getting married in three weeks. Ain't that amazing? Three weeks, your son is getting married. Wow. And have daughter Emma at Baylor and Francis is in high school. So uh, Rob and Josette were dear uh, members here at Great Hills for many years, and uh, now they're faithfully serving the Lord uh, in a church there in Louisiana, and they became Saints fans, I believe, in the process or something, something like that. So, well, we're glad you're here. Let's open up our Bibles today to Acts chapter 19, uh, verses 1 through 10 is our text today. I'll read the text. Uh, we will not make it all the way through the text, at least today. Uh, we'll make it through uh, verse 8. But I really want to encourage you next week. We've got a special guest who will be with us. I can't wait to have Dave Owen here preaching uh, in our midst. I will be sitting on the front row listening to him as he talks to us about uh, discipleship, about making disciples. And then the next day, we were, we're going to actually go and follow a guy that he personally discipled, uh, Webb Simpson, the U.S. Open champion in golf. He'll be here uh, playing at the Dale Match Play. And so Dave Owen will be here with us, and uh, he's such a, such a champion for Christ. Uh, he was a I uh, almost said professional. He was a college golfer, a college basketball player, and you'll see how he did those things when you see him come into this pulpit. I mean, he is a great friend, and Dave, I can't wait to, to have you come join us here at Great Hill, so I want you to, to come back and hear him. So today, we're on Church on the Move, right? We're in the book of Acts. We've been studying the book of Acts for many Many months, a few years, and so we've come to chapter 19. I want you to read with me verses 1 through. Again, I go through verse 10, but we'll end up stopping around verse 8 as Paul is now well into his third missionary journey around AD 52, and he's traveling back along some of the route that he had already traveled a couple of times as he's planting churches, making disciples, helping people grow in their faith. He's reasoning with people who are not in the faith yet. And so he just gives a sublime, a stellar example of what a New Testament follower of Jesus looks like. And so it's such an encouragement to me and also a challenge to me as I read the life and the ministry and the journeys of the Apostle Paul. I find myself convicted on the one hand, but I also find myself very, very motivated and very encouraged uh, as I read about Paul's journey. He's going to go to Ephesus, so let's look at it. And it happened, verse 1 of chapter 19, Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, that would be places like Galatia and Phrygia, those northern uh, sections of, of the Asia Minor, and so they passed through the regions and they came to Ephesus. 
and finding some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. That's code for saying, We have no idea what you're talking about. No, we, we have not received the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Well, then, into what were you baptized? And they said, well, we were baptized in John's baptism. If they were followers of Christ, they would have said, we were baptized in the name of Jesus because that's what Jesus commanded. He said, go and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So these were John the Baptist's disciples, much like Apollos that we studied a couple of weeks ago. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people, that they should believe on him who would come after him. That is, they should believe on Christ Jesus. Now, when they heard this, they were baptized. They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, and you've seen this before in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, and we'll finally see it again in verse 19, uh, chapter 19. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke with glossalia, with tongues, and prophesied. Now the men were about 12 in all. And so he went, Paul did, into the synagogue, and he spoke boldly for three months, reasoning, dialegomai is the, is the Greek word there, which means to dialogue. Dialogue, reasoning, persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. But when some were hardened, and they did not believe, but they spoke evil of the way before the multitude, he departed from them, and he withdrew the disciples, reasoning daily. There he is again, reasoning, dialoguing uh, daily in the school of Tyrannus. And this continued for two years. Now, Paul will stay in Ephesus for a total of three years, but for two years, he's in this, this school of oratory, Tyrannus' school. And Paul would go in there, and he would debate, and he would teach, and he would uh, disciple. And so this continued for two years, so that all who dwelt in Asia, I love this, all those who dwelt in Asia, they heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks, Father, we thank you for your word. It is life to our flesh. It is health to our soul. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being here today and just standing and reading the word of God publicly, corporately, singing praise to your name, worshiping you, confessing to you, Lord, our sins and our need for you today, for the privilege of preaching the word of God. What a, what a joy, God, what a pristine honor, a heavy uh, responsibility. So we pray for the proclamation of the Word of God. It would go forward today. I pray that it would fall upon a good soil. I pray, Lord, against hardened hearts that would speak evil. Uh, we pray against that, but we pray, Lord, for fertile ground. That, Lord, the, the Word of God, as it goes out today, it would fall upon the ears and the hearts and the minds of those who are receptive, who would receive Christ even today. Lord, we praise you. Our hearts, Lord, continue to pray for our nation and for our world, for the Ukrainian people. Lord, we just need you. Our world needs you. Uh, our, our nation needs you. Our city needs you. And so we're praying that God, you, the great God of all that we sang about a moment ago, the triune God, Father and Son and Holy Spirit, we pray that you would meet all of our needs according to your riches and glory. Father, I thank you for the years that you've given me to serve you, to know you, that you have met 
most of my wants and you've met all of my needs and I just am so grateful. And so now, Lord, we pray. We pray that you'd give us hearts to hear and that, Lord, we would receive with readiness the word of God. In Jesus' name, I do pray, amen. The power of a question. Um, Paul shows us um, a great example in this text that I just read to you a moment ago how important it is when you are talking to somebody, uh, how to not only speak, uh, and that's called what? A monologue, but also to speak and to listen, and that's called a what? A dialogue, right? Um, and so Jesus, when we look at his life, he was the expert. He was, you know, somebody went through the New Testament, and I have never done this, but they actually wrote a book about it and counted 300 questions that Jesus asked in the Gospels. And so Paul is doing what? Jesus did. He's going, hey guys, how are y'all doing? Uh, by the way, were you baptized um, in the name of Christ? Well, well, no. Well, then what baptism were you? And so he's asking these diagnostic questions to find out who they were, what they believed, and also Paul was looking for an opportunity that he might be able to introduce uh, the gospel. The power uh, of a question. I got to admit, I've got a long ways to go on this, especially uh, as I talk to people. I get so excited in personal evangelism and witnessing to people that if I'm not careful, I'll dominate the conversation and it'll become a pure one-way street conversation, which that is a monologue and not a reasoning, dialogue, uh, asking questions. God gave us two of these, right? And he gave us how many of these? I wonder if we listened as much or twice as much as we spoke um, how, how, how far we could would go with people. I'm, I'm going to give you three books today that I would recommend to you through the course of my sermon. And by the way, yes, I have read all of them and I highly recommend them. The first one is called Questioning Evangelism. It's written by Randy Newman. The book in the Christian literature genre has won awards. It's a fantastic book. In fact, when I used to teach as a professor in our seminaries, I would literally make this one of the required readings for my students. It's called Questioning Evangelism. You say, well, what does that mean? It does not mean to question the, um, whether we should evangelize or not. It's not that at all. It's not calling into question whether you and I should share our faith. In fact, it's just the opposite. It says we should share our faith and we should use the Pauline, the Jesus, the Pauline Socratic method of reasoning, listening, and dialoguing. And he, and he tells about the time that he went to his dentist. So this, is, this is Randy Newman. And he says, have you ever been to your dentist? And, and they ask you a question, and then they say, open your mouth. And you're like, I, 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 you can't answer uh, the question because your mouth is open. And they're filling, you know, the, the cavities, and they're working on your teeth. I just spent four and a half hours at the dentist a couple of weeks ago, so I know exactly what he's talking about. And so he, he said these words. He said, there's a sign in my dentist's office that reads, blessed are those who engage in lively conversation with the helplessly mute, for they shall be called dentists, is what he says. <laughs> he says, you know what? Some of us as Christians are the same way. Um, we, we engage in, in conversation, but, but we don't let the other person speak. It's just a one-way diatribe. Or it's just a one-way conversation. And, and, and really, the, the better way would be for us to speak and then to listen. And Newman goes on in his book and says real quick, he says, listening, listening 
It might be the most helpful tool that we have in sharing the good news. Here Paul is, AD 52 to 55, he's on his third of four uh, missionary journeys. He comes back to a city that he'd already been in. And this is the city of Ephesus. Remember Ephesus? It is a conspicuous, a well-noted city in your Bibles. There's a whole book and epistle written to the church at Ephesus called what? Ephesians, that's right. And then when you read in Revelation 2 and 3, it's one of the seven churches on the postal route um, that John wrote to from the island of Patmos, the church at Ephesus. It was started, now think about a, a history of a church. Every church has a history. Uh, Paul planted Ephesus. He did so with Aquila and Priscilla. Apollos was one of the preachers sent out from Ephesus to Corinth. Timothy... By the way, there are two epistles written to Timothy, First and Second Timothy. He was the pastor of the church at Ephesus. Then after Timothy left, none other than John, the beloved John, the apostle. Yes, the book of John, the book of Revelation, First, Second, Third John. That John, the disciple leaned upon Jesus' breast. That John also pastored, some believe, as much as 30 years, the church there at Ephesus. So it is, it is a strong church, a vibrant church. I've been to Ephesus and it is one of the most preserved cities in all of antiquity. When we pass through Ephesus, you can see how uh, the beautiful buildings that some of the same buildings that Paul saw and the Colosseum that Paul actually entered that we'll study later in chapter 19, that Colosseum is still there. It's a prominent city. It's an important church. And here Paul is back in uh, the city of Ephesus. And so I want to look at our text today, at least verses one through eight. I don't want to do so just with three words. The first is the, is the word question. In verse one, Apollos, he says he, he went out from here and now he is in Corinth. But now Paul comes around and he comes back into Ephesus. He'd only spent a little time there, but now he comes to spend three years there. All right. And as he comes in, he, he meets a couple of, he meets 12 guys and he wants to engage them. He wants to get to know them. He really wants to find out kind of who they are, what they believe. And so he begins to engage them with these, uh, with these questions. He asks two uh, diagnostic uh, questions. Now, you may say today, this is hard for me to believe, Brother Danny. I, I can't understand how Apollos and these 12 men from Ephesus had not heard of Jesus Christ. I mean, for heaven's sake, it's 8052. Christ died in 8030. And, and so, how have they not heard? Now, you got to remember, we're talking about 1,500 miles from Ephesus, at least all the way over to Jerusalem. Now, this is the day before the internet, right? This is the day before um, mass communication, telephones, uh, TV, uh, like I said, internet. I mean, it took news a long time to travel, but it really speaks to the ministry of John the Baptist. John the Baptist had disciples well into the second century. He had a powerful ministry. His ministry was repent, turn from your wicked ways, believe on God. And by the way, God is sending us the Messiah. And then John 1, 29, he said, there he is, Christ the Lamb of God who will shed his blood for the sins of the world. And so some people only caught the first half of John's message. And I'm gonna to introduce to you 12 men who only heard the first half of John's message. And so it would be like the true story in the 1700s in our country. 
there was a group of British uh, people who came over to America in the 1700s and they, they migrated and they started heading west and they made it, I think, to the mountains, the Appalachian Mountains, and they got fearful of, of Indians and, and, and they were like, we just need to hunker down. And so they did for 20 years. And so they just, these British subjects had come to America and, and they nestled down in the Appalachian Mountains and then 20 years later, a group made their way and, and found them. And they said, what do y'all think about the Continental Congress? And what do you think about America being a, a, a new nation? And they're like, what in the world are you talking about? And they said, yes, George Washington. The new, and they said, we have never even, you mean Britain lost? I mean, what, what, what are y'all talking about? And so they were oblivious. News had not traveled to them that there was a, a, the birth of a republic. There was a new president. There was a continental, all of that was news to them and really only separated by a few hundred miles. Why? Because the news had not made it that far. And that's what you find here in this book. Here's what you find in Acts chapter 19, a group of people who are zealous for the things of God, for the kingdom of God. They are awaiting the coming Messiah, but they had not heard the second part of John's message. You gotta remember, John the Baptist was a mighty preacher. He's a prophet and he's proclaiming, proclaiming, proclaiming. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he goes, there he is. And so they had only heard the first part. And so now Paul comes and he asks them these, uh, these two questions. He says in verse two, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Now that's a great question because that's gonna tell Paul exactly who these people are and what they believe. All right, now, when you receive the Holy Spirit at salvation, you, you become born again, you are saved, you, you, you are justified, and that happens at, that, at the moment of, of salvation. Let me read this to you in Ephesians chapter one. It says, in Jesus you trusted. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, <clears throat> okay? In whom also, having believed, watch this, you were sealed, once you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. And so Paul, who wrote that to the church at Ephesus, right? He is asking these people, he's going, does this make sense to you? Have you received Christ? Has the Holy Spirit of God come into your life? And they are answering very honestly. They are like, we have never even heard of a Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? So watch this. They had not heard that Christ had died on the cross had risen from the dead. He had ascended to the Father. He had sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, the church of Jesus Christ. That song we sang just a moment ago, and the church of Christ was born. All of these grand and wonderful things, they were oblivious to it, and they were basically like, Paul, tell me more. <laughs> tell me more. So he said, question number two, uh, verse three, into what then were you baptized? Okay, what, you guys are religious? You guys are zealous? What do you believe? And so they're like, well, it was John's baptism. Uh, like Apollos in A Acts 18.25, here are these Ephesian elders. It's the same. I like the way one commentator puts it this way. He says, they were not yet Christians. That they were unacquainted with the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost showed that they were, in fact, you could call them Old Testament saints. And had these 12 already believed in Jesus Christ, they would have been baptized into his name. I just think this is fascinating. And I think the method, the approach that Paul uses 
to talk to these people by using diagnostic questions is very insightful. A couple years ago, I read a, a book by an agnostic and I learned more about evangelism from him uh, than I have learned from a lot of people. His name is Adam Wright. Now, again, he is an agnostic. An agnostic is, is someone who says, you know, there is probably a God, but you, you, you can't know him. A uh, Greek word for knowledge is gnosis. When you put the alpha privative, the alpha that negates it in front of gnosis, like there's no knowledge of him. Atheism, there is a God, but you put the A before it, but there, you might believe in a God, but there is no God. Agnosticism, you might, there might be a God, but you can't know this God. And so that's Adam Wright, seven years in a row. He was voted the most popular professor in uh, the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. I mean, this guy, I've heard him pers- I've heard him speak. I've read his writings. He is very engaging. He is very gifted. And he has a whole section in his book called The Power of Influential Listening. The Power of Influential Listening. He also talks about things like confident humility. And, and, he, and he teaches people basically how to engage people and how not to turn people off, but actually listen to people, dialogue with them. Now he's saying this from an agnostic perspective and here's what he says. Please do not come across as a preacher, a politician, or a prosecutor. And uh, I kind of took offense to that because I am one, right? I'm not a politician and I'm, I'm not a um, prosecutor, but I am, a, I am a preacher. He said, don't come across like those people because those people come across with agendas. Now, he's an agnostic, right? Now, he's, he's not speaking really highly of my avocation or my profession, but he's like, here's what you need to do. You need to come across like a scientist. A scientist is interested in research and in learning. And you can't learn, preacher, uh, prosecutor, politician, because you're doing this all the time. This is what you're doing, and here's what you need to be doing. You need to be listening. Now, that's from agnostic Adam, Adam Wright in his book, Think, Think Again, which I, which I recommend that book. It's a deep read. That's not one of the four books I recommend. That's just one I'm, I'm tossing out there. All right, now that's number one, question. Number two is salvation. This is so fascinating. We're gonna get to verse six in a moment because I know some of you are going, when are you gonna get to verse six? Because that's why I'm here today because I heard you were preaching on Acts chapter 19 and I wanna hear what you think about, what you have to say about verse six because it is a difficult text. But first, let's look at verses four and five. Paul comes and what does he do in verse four? So Paul said, well, basically he preaches to them, all right? There is a time to listen and then there is a time to speak. And so Paul says, John did baptize with the baptism of repentance And he said to the people that they should believe. They should believe on him who is the Christ. The Christ who would come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. Come on, Paul. Yes. He's not ashamed. He is speaking the name uh, above every name. And he's saying, you men, you're so close. You believed in John, but you need to hear the second part of John's message. And it is this, that Christ has come. He died on a cross for your sins and my sins. And if we believe in him and trust in him and then we're born again and then what we will want to do. And by the way, you see this all throughout the New Testament. Whenever somebody is genuinely born again by the Holy Spirit of God, they wanna get wet. No, they do. They wanna get baptized. 
He said, why is that so significant? Because baptism is your way of publicly proclaiming that you're not ashamed of Christ. The old life has gone away and you are a new creation in Christ. Look, if you come to faith in Christ and I have to talk you into getting baptized, did you really come to faith in Christ? Now, I'm not Church of Christ, okay? Don't look at me like that. I don't believe in baptismal regeneration. But I do believe in New Testament theology, which says when you come to faith in Christ, you should not be being talked into being baptized. You should be taking your clothes off and jumping in your bathing suit and getting in the baptistry and saying, I'm all in. Man, I'm in. I want to know Christ. I want to follow him. And it's not something I have to talk you into. It's something that you gladly want to do if you understand your Bible, if you understand the New Testament. Y'all can ask me later what I really think about that, okay? In Matthew chapter three, verse 11, it says, I indeed baptize you with water. This is John uh, speaking unto repentance. But he is coming. He's coming after me and he is mightier than I am. Whose sandals I am not even worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. That's what we're about to see. We're about to see Jesus baptize people with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay, verse four, I believe Paul shared with them, as I just read, he gave them an opportunity to believe. Verse five, they received Christ, and here they go. They get baptized, because that's what you do. But all that was preceded with him engaging and listening and speaking to them. It reminds me of the a story of Chris Galano. He is a pastor. He's fa- in fact, he's the founding pastor of a church in Lubbock. Any, any Lubbock people? Any Texas Tech? Red Raiders kind of people in here, okay? I see those, what are that? What is that, a pistol? Gun, thumbs up, guns up, that's right. Is that Dr. Butler? Amen, my eye doctor, that's where he went, that's right. Okay, let me get back here. Um, it's hard preaching with ADD, I tell you, it just, you just, your mind just goes and you see things, you hear things and... Okay, he planted Experience Life Church in Lubbock, Texas. Him and his wife planted the church. They, within a few years, got up to about 13,000 people. And he goes, that's all good, but that's really not what we should be about. What we should be about is planting churches all over the world. Are you with me? And the church says, we're with you. And so now, instead of reaching 10,000, their goal is to reach 1 million people with the gospel. It is an incredible church. I invite you to, to, to read his book, uh, Multiplication. But here's how it started. Him and his wife started visiting people in their neighborhood and they came across a Jewish man and um, this Jewish man's name was Josh. And Chris said, uh, Josh, um, hey, do you, do, you have a, do you have a church you go to? And he goes, I'm Jewish. You know, it's, it's funny how you know, people, when you ask them about spiritual things, they, wanna, they just wanna slam the conversation. They either say, I'm a Catholic. You ever heard that? I'm Catholic, you know, I'm, I'm Jewish. I'm a Mormon, or I go to this, or I go to that. And just by that tone, you, you can tell, you know, there, there's, there's some history there. So Chris just starts engaging him and starts inviting him over to his home. And they just had conversation after conversation and then um, for a Bible study. And, and, and he would just keep inviting him. And so finally, Josh comes to this Bible study and he's kind of sitting there, you know, like this, you know, arms crossed like some of y'all this morning. Just kind of listening, you know, sort of listening. And, and so um, after a few weeks of that, and by the way, this, this is a church that started with Pastor 
Chris and his wife. And this guy, Josh, is gonna be one of the first converts. All of a sudden, on an ordinary day, on a Bible study, here's what Josh says. Hey, uh, hey, hey, pastor, when's the next baptism? <laughs> and Chris said, what? He said, yeah, when's the next baptism celebration? I put my faith in Jesus Christ and I wanna be baptized as a public declaration that I am now his follower. He was one of the first ones of the 10, now 13,000. But Chris was so wise. He, before any of that happened, he just engaged him and he listened to him and spoke to him in a way that he could understand. Now, verse six, here's the text. And I'm, it says, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke with tongues and they prophesied. So what is going on there? Is that normative? No. Uh, do you see this in the epistles? No. Do you see this in the book of Acts? Yes. Why do you see this demonstrative, whether it's glossolalia or whether it's ecstatic utterances, it's the same Greek word, uh, the prophecy there. I mean, all of these supernatural manifestations of the salvation moment, that salvific moment, why does it happen there? And, and we don't see that happening in, in the rest of the New Testament. Well, here, here's what I think is happening. You know, Jesus said, go and make disciples and baptize them. And in Acts chapter, Acts chapter one, verse eight, he says, and you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea. Anybody else remember the next part? Samaria, that's good. And the uttermost parts of the earth. So when you read the book of Acts, in Acts chapter two, the Holy Spirit of God comes, they speak in uh, languages, tongues, you know, Acts chapter two, the Pentecost. You come over to Acts chapter eight, you have the Samaritans who are coming to faith in Christ. And you see these extravagant manifestations, the, the miraculous. And then you come into Acts chapter 10, you see the same thing. What happened there? The first Greek converts. You got the first Jew converts. You see the manifestation, the power of the Holy Spirit. You see the Samaritans. You see the manifestations, power of the Holy Spirit. You see the Greeks. This is Cornelius, right? Acts chapter 10. You see the, man, they're speaking in tongues and they're getting baptized and they're prophesying. And then you come to Acts chapter 19. This is the last group. These are the Old Testament saints. And watch this. This is the hermeneutical key. This is the key to understanding what you just read. The same Holy Spirit that was given to the Jews and the Samaritans and the Greeks is now given to the Old Testament saints. Everybody's welcome. Isn't that good? Everybody's welcome. There's no, no exclusion. And so sometimes you'll read that when the, Holy, when the Holy Spirit comes like that, the church would send apostles and they would say, wow. And they would report back and they go, wow. I mean, it was, it was demonstrative. It was, I mean, there was manifestations. There was these signs and wonders. Could it be that this gospel is for everybody? And that's what you see happening. Now, I don't think this is normative. I don't think this is, uh, in fact, it didn't happen to me when, when I got saved and I genuinely got saved. I didn't speak in tongues and I didn't prophesy, but I did get baptized. So I, and, and I'm not discounting that at all. And I mean, God can do whatever God wants to do. Can I get an amen? And God can do whatever God wants to do, but I'm sharing with you in context and, and, and why I think it happened the way it happened to show us, to demonstrate to us, same God, same Holy Spirit. Look, this is so important. Everybody's welcome. Everybody comes. And you get the same Jesus 
You get the same Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter what you look like. Doesn't matter what country you're from. Doesn't matter the color of your skin. Aren't you glad that the gospel is the gospel for all? Thank you, Lord. Just give me some water, please. That'd be great. You just, thank you, Daniel. You can toss it. I think I can catch it. I'm, thank you. Whew, dried. Thank you. Here's the way one person puts it um, pretty eloquently. He writes, the church, which had embraced Jews and Gentiles and Samaritans now gathered in the last group, the Old Testament saints. And they saw and experienced the same miraculous gifts. So all the groups were gathered in. And in each case, Acts 2, Acts 8, 10, and 19 Apostles were present to verify that all had received the same Holy Spirit in the same way. All right, that's the question, and then that's the salvation. I want to close this morning with the proclamation. And I only have time for verse 8. And then in a couple of weeks, as the Lord wills, we'll pick up uh, with verses 9 and 10. You think that, well, Brother Danny, if you're at this rate, I mean, when will we ever finish the book of Acts? So here, here's my response to that. I've got to preach something. Why don't I just preach the Bible? <laughs> you know? Why don't I just preach the book of Acts and, and, and finish, it, finish it out? So verse eight, I want you to notice four things and uh, I'll give you the description and then I'll put it kind of in, in our vernacular and I hope you can remember this. What Paul does in verse eight is so amazing. So Paul went in the synagogue. So the first thing I say is go. Paul went, we need to go. He was active, not passive. He didn't wait for people. Some people say, well, Brother Danny, I tell you, at work or at the restaurant or where I live, if they just ask me, I, I'm telling you, I'll open up and I'll let her fly. If they just ask me, I got news for you, they're probably not going to ask you, okay? They're not gonna, they, they may not ever ask you. In fact, you may have to ask them. You may have to say, what do you believe? I don't know why that scares us so much as, as evangelical Christians. Well, I'm afraid if I ask them a question, they may answer it, and I may not have an answer. Yes, you have the answer. You have the, you have the answer of all answers. You just say, here's how Christ has changed my life. Well, what if they ask me something, Brother Dan, and I don't know the answer? Please, please tell them I don't know the answer but I may know somebody who does know the answer. Paul went to where the people were. In this case, he went to the 12 Ephesian uh, Old Testament saints. And in this case, he went to the synagogue. Number two, Paul spoke boldly. And I would encourage you and me to speak boldly. It's an imperfect tense. It means he kept on speaking boldly. The word literally means to be frank, to be confident in spirit and demeanor. He spoke boldly. Man, I wonder what kind of... What kind of church we, we could have if all of us went and spoke? You know, because what, what, yeah, that, I tell you, that takes, that takes a healthy church to do. It takes healthy faith. It takes a robust faith, not just to believe, but to actually uh, speak it. You say, but I'll just live it out. That's not enough. Living it out is really important. 
But living it accompanied with speaking it is dynamic. And that's what you see in the book of Acts. Number three, Paul reasoned with the hearers. Now here the word is again. You can see it in verse eight. He reasoned with them. He dialogomined with them. He asked them questions. You know, Andy, Spencer, and Kathy are no, no longer here. I miss them, I miss them dearly. They, they've moved, they've moved. But the, he has a great book called, um, in the, in the Beautiful Home, out in Lake LBJ area. Um, you know, some people, they don't ask my permission to leave. They just leave, and I'm, I'm kind of bitter. But I'm just kidding. I'm not, I'm not bitter about it, but it does hurt. It's hard to, to lose great people. So Andy wrote a book called Leadership from the Sidelines, right? He was the Baylor mascot. Got any Baylor bears in the house? Got a few more of you. Okay, good. I forget. Roll Tide. No, no, no. No, no, no. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about. We don't talk about Alabama. No. I tell you. Now I'm digressing bad. He wrote the book called Leadership from the Sidelines. He said, I'm gonna give you the $20,000 question. He said, I've gotten more business with this question. I've succeeded more in my life, in my ministry, in my, book, in, in my business with this one question. He calls it the $20,000 question. Y'all ready for it? Here it comes. Can you tell me more about that? Isn't that gold? Can, can you tell me more about that? Well, I'm an agnostic. Well, tell me more about that. Well, I'm an atheist. Well, tell me more about that. Well, I've been hurt in the church. Well, my word. Can everybody raise their hand? Have you ever been hurt in the church? Do I have more hands? I'll raise all my hands, my fingers and toes too. All of us. Well, tell me. Tell me more about that. And so you're engaging. That's what Paul's doing. He is engaging with them. He is reasoning with them. He's dialego with them. Here's a book that I do recommend to you. It's called Reasons for God, The Reasons for God by Timothy Keller. Fantastic. It helps you so much with apologetics and asking questions and answering people. Um, so that's what Paul did. He, he went to the synagogue. He spoke boldly. He reasoned with the hearers. And then finally, he persuaded them. I love that. Did y'all see it in verse eight? He persuaded them concerning the things of the kingdom of God, which means he Look, you can't talk about the kingdom of God without talking about the king, right? The king is Jesus. He was prophesied. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross. Uh, He arose from the dead. He ascended back to the Father. And one great glorious day, he's coming again. The king has come. The kingdom of God has come. It, It is and it is not yet, right? It is and it has not come in its consummation and in its fulfillment. And by the way, in Acts chapter one, verse three, Jesus spoke for 40 days after his ascension on the kingdom of God. It's a great topic. Often Jesus in the New Testament talk about, and the kingdom of God is like. So here Paul is, he's persuading them and he's talking about the, the kingdom of God. And he's seeing people come to faith in Christ. The church is growing. It's a magnificent thing. Some may object and they say, well, I just can't do that. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a preacher. I'm not an Apostle Paul. And I would say to you, neither is Bono. Anybody fans of U2, the band U2? You know, to be honest with you, I've never heard a song by U2. I, I just can recognize Bono with the glasses. He said it's part vain, but it's actually part, I, I, have, I have eyesight issues, right? So I have to wear my, my sunglasses. 
Now, Bono is the lead singer for U2, and he is an outspoken follower of Jesus. Now, let me just go ahead on record and say, before you email me, okay, before you text me, before you call me out, I do not agree with everything that Bono believes or agrees, okay? Just please hear me out. But here's what I do agree and believe in. French journalist by the name of, if I can pronounce it, Mika Assayas. He said, come on, Bono. You, you, really, don't, you really don't believe that, that Jesus Christ is the son of God, right? He said, that's, uh, that's kind of crazy. And Bono replied, no, what's crazy is not to believe that Jesus is the son of God. He said, and then he goes into C.S. Lewis's trilemma. And I don't know if Bono knew that he was quoting C.S. Lewis in his trilemma, but that's exactly what he does in the interview with this person who ended up creating a whole book on the conversation with Bono. And, and C.S. Lewis's trilemma, you remember it goes something like this. Look, Jesus Christ is either God or he's lying or he's crazy, right? And that's precisely what Bono said. He said, I'm telling you, if Jesus Christ is not the son of God and then he's delusional and he's either demonically oppressed or I mean, he's crazy, but if he is the son of God, and, and that's what Bono said, he said, and I believe he is. And I thought, wow, that's, that's awesome. If Bono can do it, you can do it. <laughs> he's, he's not a theologian. He's not a pastor. I don't even think he's a preacher preacher type, but he, he's a Christian. And that's what Christians do. They testify. They witness. It would be so cool. Where's Lynn West? I saw Lynn West earlier handing out them New Testaments, those Gideon New Any Gideons in the house? I love me some Gideons. You guys are unashamed of the gospel. You just hand out Bibles and smile and get cussed out <laughs> and get laughed at. And you just say, hey, it's all right. That's what Jesus did. That's what, that's what I'm doing. So as we walk through the the Acts chapter 19, and I just want to, I want to close with this. I want to close with the power of a question, okay? Don't be afraid to just close your, your mouth and open your ears. And then when you have the opportunity, speak forth the salvation in, in Christ, okay? Don't, don't be ashamed. Proclaim it and see what God does. I would ask you to close your eyes for just a few moments and bow your heads. This is a time we could just contemplate for a few minutes. Uh, we, we, we do this a lot on Wednesday nights. We we pray a lot and we contemplate and we do what we call heart preparation and consecration. And we're not meeting this Wednesday night due to spring break, but the following Wednesday night we will. And it's just, a, it's really a time of, of really seeking the Lord and saying, God, what, what have you said to me today? Is there something, maybe just one kernel of truth that I can take away from Acts chapter 19, one through eight. Lord, what are you, what are you saying to me? Lord, is there something you need me to do for you? God, is there someone you want to put in my life this week that I could love, I could speak to, ask questions of, someone I can serve, someone I can help in Jesus' name? And by the way, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just want to cue you in on something. That's a prayer God really likes to answer. <laughs> He just seems to really like to answer prayers that go something like, God, can I brag on your son this week? Would you give me that opportunity? God, would you give me an opportunity by the power of the Holy Spirit to, to help somebody this week in your name? 
God will probably give you dozens of opportunities this week. And I just want to ask us, let's, let's be sensitive and let's, let's look more, listen more, speak less, care more, love more. Father, we thank you for your word. It's so awesome. I'm just so honored. I get to read it publicly and get to preach it. There are people all over this world, Lord, that would love, dearly love an opportunity like this to see the church, to sing, sing songs they don't know, they don't rightly care, but just to be there, to hear a message. No, 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 not, not a perfect sermon, not a perfect message, but to hear a sermon from the word of God. To be quiet without bombs bursting, without somebody kicking the door down and arresting us. We are so blessed. I am so blessed. Lord, is there somebody this week you would like for us to speak to? Is there something, God, you need us to do or you would like for us to do in your name? And I pray, Lord, you just give us boldness. Give us courage. Uh, help us to slow down. I think that's our greatest enemy, God. We go so fast. Help us slow down. See people like you see people. Love people like you love people. Surely, Lord, this many people here today and that many people online. Have you believed in Christ? Have you been born again? Have you been baptized by the Holy Spirit, which happens at the moment of salvation? You may say, well, man, that sounds really good, but I don't rightly know if that's ever happened to me or not. Well, here's what I would say to you. Let's, let's, let's handle that. Let's settle that. All it takes is just a, a heart that believes and say, Lord, I believe. I'm sorry for my sins. Forgive me. Come into my life, and I want to follow you. That's all it takes. And I just want to, again, if, if you really say that and you really believe that, the Holy Spirit will come into your heart. He will give you a desire for the things of the kingdom of God. I don't have to talk you into getting baptized. In fact, I don't do that anymore. <laughs> I don't. I just, I, I'll explain what it means, but I can't talk somebody into getting baptized. I can't talk in, anybody into anything. I just say, here's the truth and the Holy Spirit, I'll let him deal with you. But if you have not followed the Lord in believer's baptism, man, what in the world are you waiting on? I would invite you to, I'd invite you to stand up, step out. Be among the committed. Be among those who are going to be a part of the kingdom of God in the local church. I'm so glad God is so patient with us, aren't you? It took me six months. I ran from God for six months like I could run from God. What, what an idiot. I mean, you can't run from God. And yet I thought I could. And yet the hounds of heaven kept nipping at my heels and they caught me. And they're like, you need to get baptized. You're, you really are a follower of Christ. You, you need to lay aside your pride and you need to lean into New Testament teaching. I think that's part of it. I was just ignorant. I, I was just ignorant. I didn't really know. Do you hear him? <laughs> Is he speaking?
What is he saying? I want to invite our pastors. If y'all would join me at the altar, it'd be awesome. Y'all come, make your way. and We're going to stand in a moment. Jeff's going to lead us as we sing. And maybe there's a something you need to something you need to say, something you need to do. And we'll be glad to receive you, pray for you, encourage you. If you want to become a part of Great Hills Baptist Church, that's awesome. There, there's a process to that. We'd love to show you how you can do that. If you'd love to follow the Lord in believer's baptism, like these 12 Ephesian Old Testament saints, then come on, we can help you do that. And more importantly, we can help you find Christ. We can help you come to know him. So, Lord, we love you. We thank you again for your word. Thank you for the freedom. Thank you, Father, for Great Hills Baptist Church. And we're praying now that you would move by your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.